That's deep, Miss Doubtfire. That was real deep. Are you totally overwhelmed with navigating your music career by yourself? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Shay Leonia, and I'm a professional singer, recording artist, and music career strategist. On this show, I share my expertise from the last 20 years in the music industry, along with some tips that I give my clients every single day. You'll also get to hear from some pretty badass guests. Get ready for some chutzpah and a lot of oversharing. It's time for the Millennial Musician Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm back with another episode, as promised, with Suze Polanski. This is my very first part two on the podcast. It's very exciting. Part one is the episode before this one. If you have not yet heard it, I recommend you listen to it, but it's not a prerequisite. It's not like, you know, watching Rocky 2. You can totally listen to this episode without having listened to that one. You can go listen to it later. But I do want to let you know, it's not like we're going to be picking up from where we left off in the last conversation. No, we started a completely new conversation this time all about productivity. And that's because it's, it's Suze's ministry. She's a total, (laughs) she's a total rock star at it. No pun intended. That being said, I would love to give you the chance to have a heads up that this episode is note-taking worthy. She throws out a ton of resources for admin, for productivity, and just even some just school, what is it? School for what? School for thought. That's not the phrase. Food for thought? Food for thought. Let's go with that one. I feel like that's right. <laughs> Who knows anymore? But uh, yeah, so get get to taking some notes. Um, and then I also want to give you a heads up that we have this fascinating conversation that happens uh, later on in the in the show about mindset when it comes to your day job. And that is something that I know every musician struggles with. Any type of day job especially and particularly if it doesn't have anything to do with music um, under that umbrella. It's just like, there's so much resentment. There's even the fans and the, your peers don't even want to support you as much if they know that you have a day job. It's almost like, it's almost like a stamp of amateur musician and it's such bullshit. So um, we definitely get into that. And I just want to Take a second to just really thank you for tuning in to this to this episode. If it's your first time here, welcome. So glad to have you. Um, I am really, really working this year, 2023, on building this podcast and getting in front of it as many musicians as possible. It is like my life's mission to not just create music, but to also help indie musicians. Um, so Yeah. With that being said, please make sure that you subscribe if you like what you hear. And uh, we put out a new episode every week. I am so excited to hear what you think of this episode. And without further ado, let's get right into it. Everyone, we are coming to you live with a special special edition of the Millennial Musician Podcast. Uh, This is actually a redo. So I'm super, super grateful to Suze Polinsky for showing up (laughs) once again with me. I'm really actually very glad that this happened because I almost forgot to tap into your ministry, which is productivity on our last call. It was such a great conversation. And but like, I'm also a firm believer that I mean, like I've, I've had to read you podcasts and I've been like mortified, but it always works out the way it's supposed to like right you know so i'm just a firm believer and like go with it because there's a reason that we had to do this so like yes. i'm all about it yeah uh, wonderful so i like so many other artists yeah 
we're all juggling. Yeah. I would love to hear how we can stop juggling because I'll tell you right now, one of the things that I'm already starting to panic about is that, you know, this new year energy, there are so many things about people that aspire to just adopt a few more organizing habits like myself, because I'm atrocious, especially when it comes to digital organization. Yeah. But yet I, I will watch somebody's videos or see somebody's posts and they'll talk about like, well, now you start doing this and you've overhauled your whole life. And I'm like, but I need to start from square one. It's like meeting Marie Kondo, but I somehow have a mansion's worth of Right. things to go through. It's like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't fix this in a day. Right. So where do we start? Yeah. I love that question because, you know, and, and, and I also have to say like this time of year can be so overwhelming for people. Cause you are bombarded with new year, new me mm-hmm. and like, no, not new you. Like you're still you, you're still yeah. going to be you. You still have your vices. You still have your bad habits. Like just embrace it. You know, there's obviously there's always things we can work on and things we can improve upon. But like, you know, if you're a procrastinator, you might always be a procrastinator. Let's just work with that and see if you can maybe not procrastinate as much, but like, where is that kind of boundary? And so, you know, one of the exercises we did in Planchella regarding this, you know, how do you manage this overwhelm and not feeling like you have to do all of the things like right now? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things is using that urgent and important matrix. So where you have like urgent, important, you know, not urgent, but important, and then urgent and important. And, you know, just figuring out where those, where something lies in that quadrant, where you just learn, like I've just, it's, it's taken me some time, but over the years, I just now without even thinking about it, automatically slow down before I go to do something and say, is this urgent? is this important? Because another thing to realize, and I do this, I work with a lot of agencies with their employees. So like we do like growth mindset coaching with their employees to help them have more productive days. And one of the things we're constantly reminding them is that when you get a Slack notification or when somebody emails you or texts you or reaches out to you, like where is the urgency? Was the urgency in their need to to just get the request off their plate and just ask you, or is the urgency actually in answering them and and fulfilling the request? Because 99% of the time, the urgency was just them needing to ask you so they don't forget to ask you, but you're not expected to drop everything and do it right now. But we've been trained that like when someone reaches out to us, oh my goodness, I have to stop what I'm doing. And I have to respond to them or I have to do that right now. So they know I'm great to work with or that I'm dependable or, you know, other times it's our own procrastination of doing what we're trying to do so that we can say, oh, I'm needed. I'm so important. I'm needed. And so I can't get to this. And that's not the reality a lot of the time. So the first step is to really just hit pause, take five seconds and just say, is this urgent? And where am I feeling this urgency? Like, let me, I know I'm feeling the urgency because I've been trained to like have that fight or flight mentality, but where really is the urgency? And if you're not sure, ask, you know, send out a request. Like sometimes I even tell my clients, put up, if you say you want to be recording for a couple of hours or say you just want to focus on your bookkeeping or focus on organizing your digital files, 
mm-hmm. you just need like an hour of uninterrupted work, but you are constantly thinking about all the messages coming in, put up a vacation message. Hey, thank you so much. I'll be back in the office, you know, later today, if this is super urgent, like have a urgent protocol. Like yeah. if it's actually urgent, do you prefer a phone call? Is it easier to text you? Like, do you, like where, what platform do urgency things like need to go? Yeah. Um, and so have that protocol and just put up an away message. That way they do get a response right away. You're managing their expectations, but you know, it's being handled. And then you can go back to those emails during your email time block, which I highly suggest everybody have in their day where you respond to messages, same thing with Slack messages and, and anything of the sort. And, you know, you mentioned um, cleaning up your digital kind of footprint and it's difficult because we close our laptops or we shut down our iPads and then they don't take up much space. They're just like these little devices. So that feels clean and organized, but we open them up and it's every ebook we've ever downloaded. And it's, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah. And it's like a thousand unread emails and it's, you know, all of these things. And so, you know, in to approach that piece of it, you know, same thing with the urgent and important, just breaking it up in piecemeal and saying every day, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes, whatever I can clean up in 10 minutes. And then I go back to it. Or if you want to set aside 90 minutes for one afternoon, put your favorite Netflix movie on and just sit there and organize and and force yourself to delete as much as possible. If I see a free ebook, I am downloading it. I like so then I said to myself, what are my three key areas that I would like to focus on like this year, this quarter, like whatever feels manageable for you? Like what areas of my career really need a big lift? And and what are the priorities? Out of all those things like what are the priorities for me right now? And if you're not sure what the priorities are, what are your goals? So if your goal is to focus on sync licensing, then it's like metadata, organizing your recordings and like pitching and networking. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be the areas you want to focus on. Everything else, like building your email list and all that other. Yeah, that can wait if you're looking to move in sync licensing. So Focus on that. Any ebooks you have, anything cluttered on your desktop that doesn't have to do with those two things, delete them. Because guess what? There will always be somebody hawking an ebook for better financial management, for better list building, for better YouTube monetization. Like there will always be there. So just delete it. If if you if it needs to find you again, it will and you'll you'll upload it or download it later. Just keep the eBooks and the things there that matter. If you find something on your desktop or in your folders that you're like, oh, I want to go back to this at some point. I don't want to lose this. Okay, put it in a quarter two folder or like six month check-in folder. Like I have a folder that's just Mm -hmm. like, look at this shit later. (laughs) And then I put on my calendar six months from now, go check that folder and then purge it again. So, you know, if you're a hoarder and you're like, I don't want to delete anything, good. Just take the non-urgent stuff, put them away in a folder so at least they're contained. And then just calendar, like, I got to check that folder again. And in six months, does anything else look like it could be deleted? Does anything else look like it could be, you know, put somewhere? So you don't have to do everything. Just a later folder and then organize 
the, the most important stuff. I love that you're saying that because one of one of the, the biggest pieces of advice that I give my clients, but I don't take myself, is it can all happen, but it doesn't have to all happen right now. Right. And right. and yet <laughs> in my own life, right. especially did yeah. like I do such a great job. Like my car is always clean. My apartment is fairly manageable. Mm-hmm. But when I when I go online, especially when I'm amongst the clouds, I feel like I have created for myself a million and one junk drawers. And yes. so as the moment I try to implement a system, like my bookmarks, for instance, like I've finally gotten to the point where, where, you know, important links and resources for my company aren't in the same file as recipe. Right. I live in an apartment and with an apartment, they give you the gift of hideous blinds. And so I had these like 20 foot blinds, it felt like, and they just, I had thrown them in my closet and I finally found an organizer on TikTok that I was able to ask for advice. And I said, what do I do with these blinds? So someone gave me the great idea of putting them above my kitchen cabinet. And I was like, oh, so I finally put them there. But another person had commented, why don't you put them under the bed? And I said, Hmm. absolutely not. I'm already a bad sleeper as is. So knowing that there's stuff under my bed that's accumulating dust. Energy. Yeah, the energy. Exactly. It's like I just don't have good sleep energy when I know I'm keeping something under my bed. Right. So I'm saying all that to say, knowing that I have this digital hoarding situation that's Mm -hmm. that I'm not keeping up with, that I'm letting it fester, especially a friend in the in the industry, Mm -hmm. friend's birthday, and I know I have a photo or a video of them somewhere. Right. I can't fucking find it because I haven't labeled it and mm-hmm. I don't know where it is in the abyss of all of my different storage places online. And it, it just, it, I get that agita. Yeah. I get that agita. And I wish that I would like to see myself devoting more time um, on a more regular recurring basis to just spending that 10 minutes, like right. you said, and making a small right. And there's two things that I keep to one for my desktop and one for all those bookmarks in my Chrome tabs um, that really were game changers for me. So I, in Planchella, I gave everybody a vision board template and I highly suggest making a digital vision board, putting it on the backdrop of your desktop and your mobile phone. For the past four years I've done this, I always reach those goals in some way, shape or form that I have because you're seeing them every single day, but I can't be cluttering the desktop with files. I have two columns on the side of my desktop. One of them is for folders. And so if I have more folders than fit in that one column down my desktop, well, then some of them have to go somewhere. Like where can I kind of Russian doll them elsewhere? Like where can I fit them? And then the other is for documents that like, I don't want in a folder I use every day. I need to be able to see them. And once that takes up that column, well, then I have to figure out like what documents am I not using that often that I, you know, that I don't need that many documents every day. So where can they go? So it kind of forces me, I can't have the clutter on my desktop because I need to see my vision board. So where else do these need to go? And with my with my browser, this was a game changer. Shout out to System Save Me, uh, Jordan Gill, who recommended Toby. Toby is a free Chrome extension. And I don't even like, I have the same overwhelm with my bookmarks, but now I don't even have to worry about it 
the most common pages I go to every day or a couple times a week. It's a free extension and it gives you these little mini folders. So every time you open up a new tab, it goes to your Toby homepage with your different categories of tabs. That way, if I find a video, like I'm really big into like understanding investing now. So every mm. time I find a YouTube video that I'm like, oh, this is really, I want to look at this again, bookmarking it, I like won't even see it. But in the financial folder in Toby, I just take that tab, drag it to the financial category in Toby, and it's there absolute game changer and that way i don't have to worry like oh my bookmarks there you know you see all these lists of links like they're yeah. actual little like icons of the windows so you can see what they are you can label them and you can relabel them anything you want and you can you know minimize or maximize the the categories so you don't have to look at them if you don't want to look at them oh, right now i love that yeah it's oh, great i love that t-o-b-y I highly suggest it. To, it's a game changer. I just have to thank you right now immediately for not giving me the standard answer of like, if anyone notices who's listening and was expecting to play the spreadsheet drinking game and you have not yet taken a sip until just now, can we just all hats off to Suze for thank not you. saying just start a spreadsheet because spreadsheets yeah. don't work for everyone, especially not me. And then they just end up on your desktop and then you don't know what you freaking made a spreadsheet for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you, all right. So we've mentioned Toby. Do you have yes. any other uh, productivity websites or things that are helping you structure your life in 2023? Yeah, um, definitely. Toby for sure is a game changer. Um, I, I have gotten to that point where I will say, yes, I do use Airtable. Um, so, which is a spreadsheet app. Um, it's completely free. And, and I do use that for, but I've learned because I did get a little spreadsheet happy and I fell into that curse that you just mentioned. And it was like, <laughs> no, I, I don't need all of this. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I spent an afternoon with my assistant, Jen, where, and this was like a year and a half, almost two years ago, where we're like, does this need a spreadsheet? Or does this just need to be like a Google Doc? Or does this need to just be one document on a deck? Like, where does this need to go? What is the most efficient way to find and utilize this information? Because not everything is meant for a spreadsheet. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And it has become our go-to. Like, oh, just make it a table. And yeah. like, no, you're not going to keep up with it. And that's not best for all types of information to be digested. So mm -hmm. it really, like we came up, I love SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures. And we came up with like an SOP of like, where does certain information get housed? Like, what are the questions we have to ask ourselves? Now, some of your listeners might be like, oh my god like <laughs> can i have time to record and write music like this is all just like right. this takes too long what the thing is it only took us one afternoon like a year and a half ago but now we just stick to that and yeah. like yes it takes a little like yes planchella was nine hours but that's to set you up for your year mm -hmm. like it's nine hours but it's all it's not nine hours of prep it's nine hours of actual work that was not yeah. nine hours of me just lecturing it was like guys heads down i'm going to time you let's do this exercise now let's do this exercise like it's actually productive work that's going to set you up for success so mm -hmm. yes it feels like oh my god this is so nitpicky 
but this is going to save you so much time from then getting into that everything's a spreadsheet or like I can't see my desktop there's so many files yeah it you have to do a little bit of prep work and then figure out for yourself one of the most important questions is does this work for me like oh yeah Sue's told me to do this on this podcast but like does that work for you if it doesn't you're free to change or tweak you know anything so that it does work for you and I think that's the key to sustaining any any kind of protocol that you set up for yourself and even when I was on your podcast we were talking about how you can try different systems and protocols for yourself they might not necessarily apply to you but like give yourself a time frame to try them out so so many listeners messaged me on instagram and on email saying the the thing they picked out the most was that you were brave enough to say i did a song write a song for a day program and it didn't work for me and so many were like that gave me the permission to like not do because they feel like oh, well, that's what a songwriter told me to do. And I want to be a good songwriter. So that's what I have to do. Wow. No, if it doesn't work for you, like find another way. And so, yeah, I mean, that really resonated with so many people. Oh, I'm so Um, glad. Yeah. So thank you for that. Of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking about um, my friend, Dano, who I'm definitely going to get on the podcast at some point, because she is the queen of like mastering this organization and everything that you're talking about. And one of the things that she does that I absolutely mm-hmm. love is she has what she, her name is Dano. So this is why she calls it a big D meeting, everyone. <laughs> but she has what she calls big D mo- meetings every morning, uh, every Monday morning. And what they are is she basically talks to herself as though she's speaking mm-hmm. to her manager. And she has like a whole admin portion where she checks up on how the week went, what uh, items didn't get completed, what items should she be focusing on this upcoming week. Um, That's one thing that I absolutely love. And another thing that I actually have to order a new one because I ran out. But um, first of all, I want to shout out Rockstar Planner. Um, That's a must. And then also the intelligentchange.com has... Mm this amazing journal where it's, you get to set what your priorities are for the week, but then you're only allowed to have five each day, five Mm -hmm. priorities, but you have to rank what the priorities are in terms of urgency and deadline. So yeah, absolutely love those. Um, but yeah, like, like you're saying Airtable, I absolutely love, I don't know how I would have survived without, um, I don't know how I survived before Trello. Trello is a really good entry level Mm -hmm. thing for me like I was I was a little overwhelmed like I tried to go to Notion right away but it was just oh my god but I found Trello and I was like oh this makes sense Mm -hmm. this this feels good and beginner friendly yeah I I really there's like for me like what managing clients like HoneyBook is a big thing so like any so if you're a service provider like Mm. get a client management system figured out because you will forget I mean before HoneyBook and there are lots of people use ClickUp or Dubsado or you know there's all different types of client management systems and and project management systems but HoneyBook which allows you to invoice and contracts like excuse me do all those things but how many times I'd put on my calendar, like follow up with this person or send the invoice on this date. And like, it's all automated in HoneyBook. And like, it just makes it so much easier and like templating emails and like 
templating, you know, brochures and proposals and all of that stuff. I mean, like I run my entire group program, Rockstar um, Slackers on HoneyBook. Like I'm just like so grateful to have systems like that. So if you have clients or if you do any sort of teaching, if you teach lessons, if you do any sort of coaching, like, you know, st- HoneyBook and, and similar things can be a couple hundred a year and it can feel like, oh my God, like yeah. that is an expense. I mean, I know when I first signed up, I was like, okay, this is expensive, but it's worth it. Like just having a system in place where you can, you know, really automate certain things or force yourself to say, oh, I've written this email like three times now. Let me copy and paste it and turn it into a template and save it somewhere. Like even if you're not ready for a client management system, you can do that in Gmail and in Google Docs and like Mm -hmm. use that to just get organized. Like little things like that can make a huge difference. If you're an artist and you're pitching people, like have a document that where you have like fill in the details here and like have that template because the little time it saves you from having to reinvent the wheel and Mm -hmm. like just have it. You know, one of the things too that, um, you know, Jen and I realized at the end of the year, we had our big kind of year end. um, Jen is Susan's assistant, everyone. Yes, she is amazing. Thank you, Jen O'Hagan for everything you do. Never leave me. Um, (laughs) He is my community manager. She runs my Rockstar Slackers program. I mean, she's really incredible. And we had our end of the year meeting in December and we really just honestly, like no holds barred, like, let's get real. What didn't work this year? Like what could use improvement? And we really both just decided like this year we were more reactive than proactive. And Mm -hmm. that goes against everything that I tell my clients. And and I know you mentioned before, like, oh, I can do it for my clients. I just don't do it for myself. I think sometimes because we spend so much time doing it for other people, we don't have the bandwidth for ourselves. But I also think there's a little bit of like a, well, I don't need to do all those steps because like, I'm the co like, I know this, I can do this in my sleep. But the thing is like life happens. Mm -hmm. And so we don't slow down as much as we should to do these, these protocols and these things that we teach. And so it does get out of hand. And one of the things that we realized was, Hey, we got through this year. There were a lot of major wins. We were very proud of the work we did this year, but we were more reactive than we would have liked to be. And so what we started implementing with this year and doing when we have our weekly and monthly meetings is now we uh, streamline the meetings so that we're always asking ourselves, have the decisions in this meeting been reactive or proactive? And do do we need to tweak anything before we end the meeting? Like that, that's the last thing on our agenda now for each meeting so that we don't get so caught up in shiny object syndrome yeah. that we're like, oh, we got this offer to collaborate with this person. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm going to do this and you do that. And let's, and it's like, wait a minute, what did we have planned? And our yearly and quarterly goals get copied over to every meeting notes agenda page that we have, because again, we forget, like I added in I added into the planner, like I think two years ago, I added in a section of, okay, monthly goal check-in because Love it. I was even forgetting to go back to the month and check the goals I had set for the beginning yeah. of the month. So just prompting ourselves to say, okay, no, no, wait, what was the goal we were working towards and did the decisions we just make align with that? Or do we need to like check ourselves? Right. And just that little question 
can make such a difference. Again, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's just being more mindful before we're like, oh, an opportunity came. So that must mean momentum. And sometimes opportunities don't always equal momentum. I, I love that you're touching on that because one of the things that I asked my coach recently was, what do I do if I'm working? Cause the way that I I'm trying, the way that I am intending to work this year is like a bullseye. So I'm starting at the core and then I'm working my way out. Once I feel like I have a handle on the, the tasks that were associated with the core intention. But if I have something that's on the outermost ring of that bullseye that suddenly falls into my lap and I get all excited And suddenly I'll veer off track from working on the center of the bullseye to suddenly working on the outermost ring. Mm -hmm. And so she had told me to focus on, focus on the cupcake and not the frosting. And she said to allow myself to celebrate that if something on the outermost ring, uh, an opportunity presents itself to me, let that be testament to the fact that I am adhering to the systems of my habits, as opposed to trying to do all of these different things at once. One of the one of the biggest uh, lessons I learned from working at Crate and Barrel, shout out to, to Crate and Barrel. It, it, not it, Cracker Barrel. Not Cracker Barrel, but Crate and Barrel. Both are lovely. But one of the major lessons I learned from Crate and Barrel was if you're busy, if you're working, the customers will find you. If you are just standing there, standing around, because you think, oh, I'm I'm here to help. What can I do? And and you're just standing there hoping to to serve a customer. They mm-hmm. will walk right past you. It's yeah. not logical, but the psychology behind that is how could you know what you're doing? You're not even doing anything. Mm. And when they see somebody heads down working, they are attracted to go up to them and say, that must be the expert because they're they're doing something. Right. Focus on doing your work. Yeah focus on the bullseye and then all these other opportunities come. Yeah. Acknowledge the fact that this means you're do you're what you're doing is working. Yeah. And that's great. And you can also say no and continue working on, on what you're focused on because trust that the right opportunity will hit you in the bullseye. Yeah. And, and that's where it is. But right. yeah, 100%. I love, I love that visual of, of the bullseye and, and the outer rings for sure. And you can even, you don't even have to necessarily say no, like say no, if if it's not fitting what your goals are, but if you say yes, don't then let that mean that suddenly you're just going to move all of your energy towards pursuing more of that thing, go right back to the core and just continue working from the inside out. Absolutely. And also like use it to, to advocate for yourself. Like if they're causing you to go off focus from what you were doing, well, then you can make certain demand, not demands, but like you can, you know, make sure that that situation is working for you as best as possible. If somebody says, hey, let's do this on this date. Oh, I'd love to do it. Can you do Tuesdays? Tuesdays would actually be ideal for me. Like, don't mm-hmm. feel like you have to say yes to everything the way they laid it out. It's okay to negotiate and offer something that's going to be in your best interest. Yeah. And if they say no, or they say, I can't make that work, then Okay. But at least you've, you know, you don't have to bend into a pretzel just because that's the, that's the offer they came to you first with. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, so many musicians, I'm sure I can already see it now. Their resolution this year is to, is to make money and 
or be full-time off of their Mm. music careers. Mm. Now, I'm not against that. Of course not. But it doesn't always look the way that we think it's going to look. So I just, first of all, I want to shout you out. That's an absolutely valid goal to have as a musician. However, um, it is an area that you should already build in build in the uh, the amount of grace and compassion that you're going to have to provide yourself. But mm-hmm. many musicians that I've met are either holding down a job that they either can't stand. Maybe it's a job that they don't mind so much, but it has nothing to do with music. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're doing something that's in the umbrella of music, like they're giving voice lessons or, right. you know, teaching instruments or music teacher wedding gigs, all of those types of things. So do you have any tips or advice on that whole, oh gosh, she's, she's gearing up. She's like, let me at him, Shay, let me at him. Yeah. I mean, soapbox moment. Um, yeah. So I actually did two, um, two videos on YouTube recently about this two podcast episodes from season five, where one of them and shout out to Matthew Mayers, he gave a fantastic, um, like standing ovation um, uh, presentation at CD Baby DIY Musician Conference in August um, in Austin, Texas, where he proudly has a day job and he's been doing music like over 20 years and he's had some incredible wins in his music career and he's met his idols and like he has had a fabulous career, but he still works in HR at his day job. And he was like, you know, we have to get rid of the shame. And so I talked about that in one video about how to embrace your day job. And I also did another video of like the other side to that. Like if you're really ready to not have your day job anymore, okay, then here's what that can look like. And here's how you can approach it. But the thing is, just with every, you know, my biggest passion, like, yes, I I talk about productivity and time management and everything, but my, the underlying passion there is to empower creatives to make decisions that feel good to them. Like if I can get my clients to be confident decision makers, like I've won. I That is my goal. I mean, I can teach you how to monetize things. I can teach you certain things about the business, but what I really love is to help people become better decision makers. And so when it comes to, do I leave my day job? Do I stay at my day job? Like check yourself at the door. Like, is this about your ego? If this is about your ego and shame and being, oh my God, like I'm a musician with a day job, like stop, who cares? I get it. Like social media can be difficult. And there, there's a lot of things that make us feel shameful about still having a day job, Yeah, but it doesn't mean that's how it's always going to be. And if it is, guess what? Like you might have a pretty awesome life. Like do you ask yourself, do I truly hate my day job or is this my shame? And like my ego telling me like, I'm not a valued or or valid musician because I still have a day job. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Who honestly cares? And like, yeah. yes, I talk about the fact that like I was I was um, able to leave my job in six months from starting this this business because I hired a coach. And like, but I was very clear for myself that I I am not a good employee. Like, I cannot work for somebody else. It's just I I can't do it. That was not a shame thing. I didn't feel like I wouldn't be a valid entrepreneur if I still had a job. And I loved my colleagues at Crate and Barrel and like work. I love the discount. Like there were so many things I loved, but I hated (laughs) being told what to do. And Mm -hmm. I hated being told when to do it. 
And so it just, I knew I was going to get fired. And so it was like, let me get out of here and make my own money. That was my journey. It doesn't, if like, if you can take pride in your work, if it pays the bills, if it gets you health insurance, if it helps pay for school for your children, like there's no reason to rush out of that job. So first thing is checking your ego and seeing what this is really about. If you know, like, no, 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 I cannot like fathom a life where I'm not doing music full time. Okay. But then look at if, as you said, give yourself grace. It's probably going to take longer than you think. Mm -hmm. Get help. If you don't want it to take too long, you're going to need outside help. Like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to invest and get a coach or get support to do this because it's a lot harder than you think. So if you're, if you're really impatient, then you got to put your money where your mouth is. That's, that's the other thing. But but decide for yourself while I'm here, and I do this with my clients all the time. Like we spend our clarity sessions going over like what what are the pieces to your business that feed your music career? So like if you're somewhere where you, if you're a receptionist, like how much time do you have to be on Google and do research while you're sitting at your desk? Do you have a photocopier where you can just kind of like on the down low, make a bunch of copies for flyers? Like what what resources can you get away with like, benefiting your music career you know if you're working in music obviously do not start pitching your music and telling people you know don't burn bridges while you're at your day job but what networking and like what relationships can you organically and authentically create while you're there so that they respect you you can tell them you're a musician don't be pitching your music to them but grow that relationship like when i was at atlantic records lou playa like I didn't even work in his department, but when I was done with the department I was in, I was like, Hey Lou, what do you need? Like, what can I do for you? And I'd stay after to help 12 years later when I needed help getting conference opportunities for myself. Hey Lou, like, do you know any conferences I can speak at? Uh, yeah. Like, and I know you're a good worker and I know you're respectful. Like, sure. Like, you know, like, so think long game. And one of the things Matthew made said in his talk his hr like he works in hr but all of those people love music and if they don't love his genre of music one of their friends does he got he toured europe based on somebody that his co-worker knew who had a family member or something that was like running a show in europe and needed that type like you don't discount the people that you work with right it, Just make relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, ask people out for coffee or go after work and don't say, no, no, I got to go home and work on my, I got to record. Well, wait a minute. Like maybe you stay 20 minutes. Yeah. You hang out with them and get to know your coworkers because you want their support. I worked at a restaurant as a waitress for 13 years. God help me. But (laughs) Uh, but my, I got to hand it like as toxic and as many shitty things that I have to say about that experience, mm-hmm. I will say that when somebody like white clef would, would come in and I wasn't taking care of him, I wouldn't even have to worry about jeopardizing professionalism by saying, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, can you listen to this thing? No. One of my coworkers who would take care of him would be like, Oh, by the way, this is my coworker Shay. Yep. And like, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? You know? And right. it's, so yeah, your coworkers will definitely, mm-hmm. definitely look out. I say this from my own mistakes where I was like, I can't, I can't, I'm working. I can't, I'm working. Yeah. I'm building a career. I'm better than you if you haven't. Yeah, <laughs> like, 
glad that you get to go to happy hour you know again like wearing that like busy badge of honor where it's not a badge of honor like go take the 20 minutes to talk to them and connect with them and learn about who they know and like what they can teach you so it's like it's really guys like understand number one why you're at that job what it does for you and then how you can maximize what it can do for you because yeah, you got to be in it sometimes longer than you want to be. And so you might as well make it work for you. Like, yes, it's always like, you know, I always think of Gandhi's quote about like our beliefs become our thoughts, become our words, become our actions, and then Mm -hmm. eventually our destiny. So if you're constantly saying to yourself, God, I hate my job. Oh, I wish I didn't have this day job. Oh, this sucks. I don't have time to work on my music. All of those things matter. And they're influencing and infiltrating your daily focus and your daily wins. So I know it's hard. I know it feels good to vent, but really try hard to watch the words that come out of your mouth and start by, you kind of have to work backwards, change the words, and then you will change your beliefs. And so start saying like, this isn't my ideal, but this job allows me to A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't like leaving my house at seven in the morning, but I really like that steady paycheck so I can invest it in my music. Like flip it, you know, you got to flip the script so that you can start embracing the things that do work because number one, try to enjoy the journey while you're on it. Don't make Mm -hmm. it harder for yourself. And number two, you're going to see better opportunities that way. Absolutely. And if, and even the way that our filters in our mind work, like I, I can't, I, I, think back on how I was spending these eight hour shifts plus an additional two hours either way to get to and from work of just being negative and resenting this job. And I got so good at practicing the resentment that even on a sunshiny day and the best of circumstances at the job, or, you know, I was just such in that mindset that I, it would make it harder and harder for me to get out of it when I would leave. One of the things that I didn't anticipate too, when I left, um, having a corporate job was the fact that now I am facing things like decision fatigue because Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's having to create my own schedule, adhere to my own productivity and and my own office hours and create my own tasks. So yeah, absolutely. Anyone who's dealing with that, Suze is your your gal. Um, (laughs) But I want to make sure that that I talk to you real quick before we have to wrap up about grass is greener syndrome, because I think that this ties in very well to thinking that once I have this, or once I'm no longer doing this, then I will be able to this. And I just would love to bust that myth with you right now. Yeah, because guys, it's always going to be hard. Like it's always there. It This whole, the grass is greener, or like you said, once I have this, it will be fixed. Like, no, you know, like, oh, one, I, I taught, told myself a crate and barrel, like once I leave my day job, you know, everything will be better. Yeah, it was exciting for a bit. And like, I was like, wow, I really did it. Like it took me 12 years, but I made it happen. And this feels really awesome. But there's a whole other, as you said, like then you leave that job, you're in charge of making all the decisions and you have to create the work for you to then complete the work. Like Mm -hmm. nobody's handing you anything. It's not a clock in, clock out. It's not a, oh, I'm a little hungover from last night or I'm not feeling well, whatever. I'll just drag myself in and get the paycheck. No, <laughs> like, you know, if you're if if you're not at your best and you're kind of honing it in, you could set yourself back quite a bit. 
when you're just trying to like keep your your head above water to get your career off the ground. So, you know, it all falls on your shoulders. The stress is going to be higher. More decisions need to be made. Your mm-hmm. discipline has to be, um, you know, more in tune. Um, and so, yeah, understand what you're asking of yourself. You know, so many people will say like, I want to be the next Beyonce or like, I know I have what it takes to be, you know, you don't hear this as much anymore. But back then it was like the Britney Spears of like my generation. And it's like, well, let's look at how they're dealing. Like, yes. Okay. I applaud Beyonce for, for putting in, you know, mandatory me too trainings and having wellness providers on her tour now. And I like, that's great. But like, you can't, I'm sorry. I know she's got like a bajillion dollars and is on top of the world. I don't envy her life. Like, Mm -hmm. you you, like understand what you're, you're asking of yourself before you come up with like a, oh, I want to be Britney Spears or, oh, I want to be Beyonce or, oh, I want to be world famous. Like understand what that means. And you don't have to have that particular dream to have an amazing awesome career you can say to yourself like i want to be 70 and be able to like still play music and tell stories and have the most amazing interesting journey in this career yeah Yeah. you can have that without being world famous like Mm -hmm. understand what you're asking of yourself because if you're constantly looking at what other people have or what other people are doing Number one, you're not being present to your own life. So you're missing out on your own life. And number two, you're chasing something that you probably don't even want once you get it because you didn't understand what you were going after to begin Uh with. So, you know, get clear on what those things are. And again, as we said, like with Planchella, it's like make the goal, but then say, why do I want this? Right. And it's got to be more than it'll make me a lot of money. Like, Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot of things will make you a lot of money. You can sell a sex tape and make a lot of money. Like, (laughs) what? Why? Like, why will this particular thing need to be the vessel to make you a lot of money? Like, why is that? So, you know, really understanding why you want something before you just say, oh, well, that again, it's like checking ourselves when words leave our mouth. Oh, that that their you know their life is so much easier. Or that yeah, they sold more copies or had more shows because they had fifty thousand followers, and I don't. That could be true. Maybe that's not true. Like who knows? But what is focusing on that doing for your career right now? Yeah. Besides making you feel like a piece of crap, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, asking yourself that question: Is this thought helpful? Or Mm -hmm. is it not helpful? And, and for anybody that's listening to you talking right now and is dismissing it thinking, well, no, 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 I'm good because I didn't want (laughs) Beyonce's career that uh, anyway, that's, that's fine. I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you were in the studio or you were working on a song and you said, well, once this gets backing vocals, or once I have this more Mm -hmm. expensive piece of equipment that I don't currently own, then I'll be able to finish this song. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you. Don't don't get it twisted. Excuses. And I'm once again, like Susan's been doing it too. I'm speaking from experience. I'm the queen of once this, then that. Like, yeah. Because then you're just leading yourself to disappointment. And then like the goal doesn't feel as much of a win. Because right. yeah, it's great to get that new piece of equipment or it's great to be able to quit your day job. But if you've put it on such a pedestal that it is going to solve your problems, yeah. No. Because then yeah. you're just, then it's going to make it a bittersweet accomplishment because you're going to be like, oh, it 
it didn't solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and and I, I, I'm not positive. I think this quote comes from Mrs. Doubtfire, but <laughs> I do remember watching it and and saying like, oh, but we went on that vacation, yeah, and our problems were waiting for us when we got back home. Like, oh. and I just remember as a little kid being like. <laughs> that's deep Ms. That, was deep that was real deep but it's true it's like you can't outrun your problems yeah so better equipment no day job better you know relationship or like you know having a, a relationship or getting a house or whatever it might be it'll it'll feel great but mm-hmm. it's not going to solve your problems yeah so like you can't outrun the inner work that has to be done mm-hmm because everywhere you run, it's, it's still with you. It's still right, right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that right now I'm having to really swallow that in terms of uh, my where I'm at with my physical appearance. Mm. I would say that's where I'm having to going to have to listen back to this episode quite a few times and be like, take your own advice, you dirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at who's talking. Mm. Um yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, on that, on that beautiful note, uh, I just want to, I just want to wrap up with a nice yeah. little neat bow. Um, Cara Lowenthal has this quote, you, there's no off ramp for the human experience. And I think, right, right. This is Doubtfire and Cara Lowenthal, those two and Gandhi, let's just mix them up in a pot yeah. <laughs> on this wonderful Monday. Um, Suze, what, what can, what can we look out for from you and the Rockstar Advocate? I am super excited because we're launching my Rockstar Slackers group program in a whole new way. We're only opening the doors at the end of every quarter. So watch out for the end of March. We'll be opening the doors again to my accountability and group coaching program, Rockstar Slackers. Um, And we're bringing the podcast back probably late quarter one, early quarter two. So season six of the Redefine the Hustle podcast will be back. And that's all for now. I'm keeping it simple. I'm Amazing. Everyone, it, please make sure that you get on her on her newsletter so that you can keep an eye out on all of this because <laughs> she will absolutely keep you posted. Um, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in with Suze. Suze, thank you for being here with me once again on this Monday. Um, we come out with new episodes every Sunday. And if you wouldn't mind, I would truly appreciate it if you leave a review um, so that we can continue growing this podcast and getting it in front of musicians who need to hear it. And enjoy the rest of your week. Excuses.